Hey everyone, we want to welcome you to the Floater Founder Podcast. This is a Toronto-based podcast featuring local founders across all markets. We are your hosts, Samantha Lloyd and Lyson Casey. We are going to be bringing you interviews with exciting and hardworking founders. They will be sharing their experience creating and leading a company. Thanks for listening. Hi everyone, you're here with Floater Founder. I'm your host, Samantha Lloyd, here with my co-host, Lyson Casey. Hello everyone. And today we have the pleasure of interviewing Justin Tuin, the co-founder and CEO of lowestrates.ca. So thank you for hosting us in your office today. No, thanks for having me. Uh, we're really excited to have you here. So um, tell us, what is lowestrates.ca? The easiest way to explain lowestrates.ca is that we're like Expedia, but instead of allowing Canadians to compare flights or hotels, we allow Canadians to compare personal financial products. So things like car insurance, home insurance, mortgages, loans, credit cards, life insurance, you name it. And we launched the company in 2012, and now we're in 2019, and we've saved Canadians close to a billion dollars. That's awesome. Pretty excited about how far we've come. That's awesome, for sure. And why did Canadians need a site like Lowest Rates? Well, what's interesting is that Canadians like to compare in almost every other aspect of your life, of their lives. So if you think about it, if you're looking for a flight or a hotel, Typically, you go to Expedia or you go to Trivago just to make sure you compare your options and you get the best price possible. If you're looking for a new or used car, you'd go to AutoTrader online just to make sure that before you go to the dealership or from that private seller that you're getting a fair deal. And even for everyday items, people tend to go online to Amazon to compare things. But when it comes to where Canadians spend most of their money, which is actually on personal financial products, things like their mortgage interest, credit card interest, their car insurance and home insurance. Canadians typically have not compared. They've just accepted the status quo. For a mortgage or credit card, they walk into their local bank and they think, okay, well, I can trust this local bank, so I don't need to really compare. For their car insurance or home insurance, they'll just stick with the same insurance company that their parents or their friends have been with year after year after year. And even if the price has gone up, they said, well, it's too much of a pain in the butt to compare. And this is costing Canadians. It's costing Canadians on things like insurance, hundreds or thousands of dollars per year. And our mortgage, it's costing them thousands or tens of thousands per year. And so we've really tried to make it easy for Canadians to make better financial decisions and to leave more of their hard-earned money in their pocket instead of spending it needlessly when there are better deals available for them. Um, And that's a lot of uh, data to put together and keep up to date. Uh, Was it difficult to consolidate all that information and Tell me a little bit about the process of getting it and keep make sure, making sure it's up to date so the lowest prices are always there. It's very difficult. So we started this with nothing but an idea. I came up with this idea because I was working in England. And in England, this is just what people do. You know, over 70% of all financial transactions start on rate comparison sites in England. And so came back to Canada and we had this idea. We said, hey, this should exist in Canada. So all we had was lowestrates.ca. We needed to build the website. We needed to find the financial partners, so the insurance companies, the credit card companies, the mortgage companies to work with. And then we needed to build the comparison engines. And as you say, that's a lot of work. For insurance, 
every single person has a different insurance rate because people live in different places, they drive different cars, they have different experiences in terms of accidents, tickets, and every, every insurance company um, rates each of those things differently. So if we take car insurance, for instance, if you come to our site and you complete an insurance quote, we're going to compare your information against the prices of 30 different companies. And that's a lot of data. And so it's very difficult because the way the insurance companies price you individually and price the different aspects of your profile change on a quarterly basis. So all that information is changing. We need to obtain that information from those companies and change it on a regular basis in order to make sure that when you come to our site and you get a quote, the quote that is shown on our site matches the quote that you're going to get when you actually talk to the insurance company with whom we partnered you. So it's, it, it's very difficult. Um, I always say it's a little bit like a duck swimming on the surface from a consumer standpoint. It looks really easy. You come to our site, takes three minutes, you get 30, 30 different prices for free. But underneath the surface, we're swimming like crazy trying to get all that information for you and to make it look as easy as possible. That's great. And um, you mentioned at the beginning, it just kind of started with an idea. Do you want to talk about the beginning process and launching um, this business? Yeah, absolutely. So started from scratch in 2012. As I said, we thought it was a great idea because in Canada, in other verticals like travel and like cars, um, people were comparing online. And then in other countries like England and Australia and the US, they were comparing online for finance. But in Canada, they really weren't. There, there were very few companies doing this in Canada. Less than 10% of the population had ever heard of a financial rate comparison site. So we saw a real opportunity. There was a lot of risk though, because I went from the corporate world where I was a senior executive making you know, a very good compensation package to this where I didn't pay myself for three years. We started with $150,000 and we said we're either going to take this $150,000 and make this company work or if we run out of money, we've got to go back to the real world and, uh, and just, just go back to, to working for somebody again. And it was difficult because with $150,000, you really have to be careful with how you spend the money, right? And we had to build everything from scratch. We had to build the website from scratch. We had to find the partners. We had to figure out a way to get people to come to the site. And so that resulted in me being everything from the CEO to the person who takes out the garbage. And I think that it's been useful because it's provided me with an appreciation of what it takes to do the different roles in the company. Um, but it, it was definitely hard. Um, for the first three years, as I said, didn't pay myself anything. Uh, it was difficult to get the snowball rolling because the way that we chose to attract people to our site, we didn't have money for advertising. So we said, we need to do it through Google organic search. We need to rank highly when people are typing in things like insurance quotes into Google. And to do that right takes time. But as time went on, you know, tens of people turned into hundreds of people. Hundreds of people turned into thousands. And then when you start getting that number of people, thousands turned to tens of thousands, to hundreds of thousands, to millions. People started to have positive experiences on our site. They would tell their friends and family. They would come back. 
And that gave us more negotiating power with insurance companies, mortgage companies, et cetera, to want to be in our site because they felt like if they weren't on this site that they were going to miss out on something big. Yeah, now we are, you know, for the past three or four years, we've been the fastest growing financial company in Canada, one of the 10 fastest growing companies in general from a revenue standpoint. And like I said, I'm super proud that we've saved Canadians close to a billion dollars. That's a huge deal because as we know, especially in cities like Toronto and Vancouver, it is very difficult to live It's difficult to afford a home or even rent, to afford a car. We pay so much in tax that every dollar saved is so valuable. And to be able to save Canadians a billion, I am so proud of that. Yeah, that's huge. And I love that you started it with a lot of organic marketing. A lot of companies really think that they need to pour dollars into marketing to get some traction. But if you can get some good word of mouth, some good SEO, um, you can definitely grow a huge company like you have. Yeah, and marketing is hard. So we decided once we had more cash in the bank that we were going to spend $5 million on an advertising campaign. And that might not sound like a lot, but for us, who has never raised any capital and who had to generate that $5 million ourselves through our cash flow and our profit, that was a big risk. And we thought, when we spend this money, it's going to be amazing because Canadians are going to find out that there's a better way to, um, to do personal finance. And then... We're going to make more than $5 million, and then the next year we're going to spend ten, and the next year we're going to make, spend fifteen. But what we found is we spent that $5 million and we only made two and a half back. And so to be able to spend, we, we, we can't outspend the big banks and the insurance companies, which is who we're competing for attention with. So we had to do it a different way. And I think that's, it's important to understand that for a lot of entrepreneurs is that marketing money you really have to think about how you're going to acquire consumers because it's expensive to acquire consumers and you've got to figure out if you're going to be able to do it properly in a way that you can acquire consumers for a lower price than what you're selling your product for because that's where i think a lot of entrepreneurs go wrong is 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 they don't recognize how hard it is going to be to acquire a consumer um cool so you were uh, talking about how at the beginning like a lot of founders you were the chief everything officer uh can you talk a little bit about as your company grew how you started delegating tasks a lot more and uh, how you how you decided which tasks to say no to and which ones to to tackle well, it's still a challenge. The, the easiest ones to say no to were coding because I don't know how to code. That's, that's the one thing. So from the beginning, we've had a very strong um, development group in-house. We don't outsource any of our development. And that's been very useful, um, but it also came out of necessity. But as you grow larger, you want to establish better leaders and better processes within the organization without losing the entrepreneurial spirit. So that's that's a challenge and that's a discussion that we still have all the time. Um, you know, one of the most important things is our relationships with partners. So the banks, the insurance companies, the credit card companies. And so one of the most important hires that we brought on was a head of strategic partnerships. And that was scary at the time because we had to pay a very large compensation package for that. You're not going to be able to get the best people if you don't pay them properly because they're going to get that money elsewhere. And so that's that's a lesson that I've definitely had to learn is you get what you pay for. And 
you really have to make sure that you're bringing on a superstar that's going to far surpass what you're paying them. So the, the head of strategic partnerships was hugely important because before that, I'd really done all the sales myself. Um, and more recently, just bringing on a very, very strong head of finance because I was doing much of the finance myself. And then once, once you get to a certain size, you just can't do that anymore. Speaking to partnerships, uh, especially with the insurance companies, you're saving Canadians a lot of money. And every time Canadian kind of saves money on insurance, the it costs the insurance companies money. So was it difficult to create those partnerships with the insurance companies? It's still difficult because we don't work with all of the insurance companies in Canada. We don't work with all the banks in Canada because they feel like we are encouraging switching and a lack of loyalty. Whereas the way that we look at it is, look, the genie's out of the bottle. Canadians are going to find ways to save money. They found ways to save money in every other vertical in their lives. This is where they spend the most of their money. This is going to happen. So how can we work with these companies and be a good partner? Well, their cost of acquisition, so how much it costs them to acquire a consumer, is much cheaper with us because... The way we work is we charge them for a lead. So let's say you do a car insurance quote. Um, we've compared 30 different insurance companies for you. The one that has the lowest price, we're gonna take your information and pass it to that insurance company. You're very likely to purchase insurance from that company because you feel as though you've compared the market and that's the best match for you. And so insurance companies are paying 20% of what they would otherwise to acquire a consumer with us. So while that consumer may not be as loyal moving forward, they're paying a lot less to acquire that consumer. And the other thing is that this is just what the younger generation is doing. They're going online and they're not gonna, if they don't capture this individual through a site like ours, they're not gonna capture this person. So, so, so we've had to kind of demonstrate to them why this is where this is where people are going. This is where the industry is going. This is how you capture the next generation of drivers and the next generation of homeowners. So it, it's definitely a conversation, but it's reality. Yeah. It's, it's what's happening. Whether, whether companies like it or not, this is what's happening. For sure. And I can't imagine purchasing most things nowadays without comparing. Like it's, it's second nature. Yeah, like you go online and you look. You know, I remember one of the other reasons that I started this is my mortgage came up for renewal. And the price was increased so that it was going to cost me $5,000 more in interest per year. Like that's a lot of money, $5,000. I have to earn, you know, $8,000 to pay that $5,000 off. And I said to my bank, I've been with you literally since I was born. Why are you suddenly increasing my insurance or sorry, my mortgage rate? And they said, sorry, Justin, there's nothing we can do about it. And so I really couldn't afford that increased mortgage interest. So I went and I took the time and I met with the other different banks and that took me a lot of time and it was a real pain, but I was able to get a better rate than I even used to have. And then I took it back to my bank and I said, look, this is what I got from someone else. I'd rather stay with you because all my other products are with you. And they said, you know what? Good news. We'll match it. And I said, what the heck? You made me go through something that probably took me a week in total time just to give me the rate that you wouldn't give me in the first place, that's not very fair. Like, should I really have to haggle about something as big as a mortgage? And something similar to this happened to me in insurance. And 
it just, the combination of the fact that this really occurred in the UK and then this personal experience kind of crystallized the fact that we need this in Canada. It's not fair. Canadians don't have time and don't have the knowledge to know when they can negotiate, when they can't negotiate, what they should be thinking about. You know, the government doesn't teach this, schools don't teach this. Personal finance literacy is very low in Canada. So we're, we're here to help Canadians make better financial decisions. Yeah, I agree that especially um, for millennials, I mean, like, thankfully, things like lowest rates and like simple tax and products like that are out there. But um, I don't know how we would do it otherwise. And well, you I, make bad decisions. Yeah, you would make bad decisions. You'd you waste money. cost yourself a lot of money. And I do think the education system needs to step up and teach this to people. Um, do you see that happening at all? In bits and pieces. I really think, though, it's incumbent on Canadians to educate themselves because I don't know. I, I don't know. It, the thing is, it's very difficult to actually care about these things until it's actually your problem. Like, if kids in elementary school or high school were taught this, they're not going to care or listen because they don't understand it. They don't have a mortgage. They probably don't even have a credit card. They might not even drive. Until this actually becomes your issue, it's difficult to really care about it. So I think it's incumbent on when you need to make these decisions, when you're thinking about renting and you need insurance, or when you're thinking about buying a car or a house or getting a credit card, that you educate yourself. And so we take education hugely seriously. We don't just compare rates for Canadians. We also have an entire content series. We call it our money-minded blog. Like it's basically like an online magazine where we write articles all the time that answer Canadians' most common financial questions. So we hope to be a one-stop shop where not only can you have your questions answered, but also once you've answered that question, you can actually like compare and purchase the best rate also. But I think it's a I don't I think it's a problem in Canada that most Canadians don't even know they have. Most Canadians don't even know that they're financially illiterate and that they're making poor financial decisions. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's a lot of trust in the big banks or the bank. I mean, like you said that you've been with it forever. I know I've been with my bank literally since I got my first debit card and a fear of switching away and having to move everything around. Um, it just seems so inconvenient. So definitely there's a huge gap in knowledge there. Yeah, making things more convenient is a big step that we're trying to help move forward, right? Like what we want is for someone to be able to come to our site and compare and then to be able to purchase that product online. And in many cases, that's not the case. They need to compare online and then they still need to get on the phone with an insurance company and go through their information again to make sure that it matches. But as things become more convenient, then you'll see the pain in the butt of switching go down significantly because there's massive cost savings. Like you talk about the pain, but how much is that pain worth? Is it worth $100 per year, $500, $1,000, $5,000? And I guess for different people, the pain is worth different things. But think about what you can do with that money. That's the other thing. People don't realize, you know, for mortgage, what saving that percent on your mortgage can really mean to you. Because even sometimes when you say, okay, I can save $2,000 a year, $2,000 is a nice vacation. So, you know, if you make it tangible and show what those savings can actually mean, I think it's more meaningful. Yeah, definitely. Um, another thing that I've noticed that people always with mortgages tend to compare things in terms of percentages. And $2,000 is a lot of money, but $2,000 on a $2 million home doesn't seem like a lot. And that's kind of like one small thing. But what would you say is your um, uh, number one piece of financial advice that you could give to anyone listening? 
I'd say it's really just to educate yourself before you make a decision and don't rush into a decision and don't be pressured into a decision and really understand the motivation behind the person whose advice you're getting. Because the beauty of lowestrates.ca, our only motivation is to save Canadians money and to help you make better financial decisions. We don't even have banner ads on our site because we don't want to unduly push one company over another. And so when you're at a bank and you're receiving financial advice, you need to think about, okay, what is the motivation behind this advice? Is this bank really offering me what's right for me? Or are they only offering me this because they're getting a special bonus because of this product? Or what is their motivation? Or, or if you're dealing with um, a person who sells you mutual funds or, or financial devices of that nature, okay, how does this person get paid? I think it's really important to educate yourself on this, to understand the motivations and to compare. And then you can make the right decision and never be pressured. Never be pressured. That pressure is, is, is probably the number one factor that makes people make poor decisions. Mm-hmm. Take That's your time. Great. That's great advice. Um, so let's circle back more to talking about your founder journey. Um, so you wrote a piece in 2016 about um, how startups should focus on making money uh, rather than raising money. Do you want to talk about that belief and how that's kind of pushed your company forward? Yes. So like I said, we have not ever raised money since the first day that we launched the company. So everything that we've done has come from the cash flows generated by the company. Has that made it harder? Yes. Has that maybe slowed our growth? Maybe, but we're still one of the 10 fastest growing companies in Canada. But you know what it's done? It's made us prove out that this company works and makes sense. Like it's made us, made us prove out that there's people that are interested in this, both that Canadians are interested in this and that there's companies that are willing to buy our leads when the Canadians come to our site. It's, it's, an, it's allowed us to show that we can actually make more per consumer than it costs us to acquire that consumer. And it's forced us to make prioritization decisions so that we don't try to do everything at once, that we do one thing at a time and we prioritize what we do first, second, and third because we only have a certain limited number of resources. So I think it's made us better decision makers. It's made us a lot more focused and it made us really rigorously test the thesis of this whole company. I think when a lot of entrepreneurs, they just focus on, okay, I have an idea. I'm going to raise a lot of money. I'm going to try a bunch of things. And they don't understand, okay, how, who's, gonna, who's my market? And do they, does that market actually want to buy what I'm selling? Okay, how much can I sell my product for? And how much is it going to cost to create my product or create a consumer for my product? And it's amazing how many founders and entrepreneurs can't answer those questions and say, you know what, I'll figure out that later. I'm going to focus on raising a lot of money and we'll try a bunch of different things, throw it on the wall and see what sticks. And I think that has been romanticized in terms of, you know, let's talk about the high profile people we have on our board or let's talk about how much money we've raised or let's show how cool our offices look. I can tell you, our offices looked like crap at first. We were in something we called the dungeon. Well, first I was in my house, 
Then we were in something called the dungeon that had, I don't even know if it had any windows. Then we were in an office that was slightly better, but a little bit smelly walking through the, uh, the foyer up to it. And now we're in offices that look great, that we're really proud of. But we had to pay our dues. We had to do what we could with what we had. And we had to grind and we had to work hard. And there wasn't that much romance, but it made it all worth it. And it, it just, I think it made everybody realize that they made decisions like this company was their own, like it was their own money, because they realized the risks if we made the wrong decisions. And if we didn't, rec- if we made a wrong decision, if we didn't pivot away from it fast enough. So I just, I really think this is a big problem with Canadian startups, especially in the financial technology um, space. A lot of companies don't understand how to make money and they don't think it's that important. They think we'll figure it out at some point and guess what, they don't. And then they go to business and then they have to let all their staff go. And that's something that I've never been comfortable with. Like that is a nightmare for me to have to, we've never been in a position where we've been close to not being able to meet payroll. I I couldn't live with myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. There's, I mean, even shows, I mean, though I love the show Silicon Valley and things like that, there's a, even though they, they like to show the nitty gritty of it, there is still a ton of romanticizing surrounding uh, startup culture, basically. Yes. And startup, startup culture, it's not romantic. It is very hard. It is far easier to work for a company and get a paycheck than it is to start something from scratch. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Like I, I have worked at a very senior level um, in the corporate world and it does and, and I thought I was working hard and I thought there was a lot of stress it doesn't come close to comparing the level of stress the amount of commitment that you have to put in when you start something from scratch it, it's not work it becomes your life and you have to be okay with that and you have to be happy about that and I am you know we've been offered massive amounts of money for the company and I don't even think about it because I love this I love what we're doing I'm proud of what we're doing. I'm excited about the future, but it comes at a cost. Like I work a lot of hours. I have to sacrifice certain things that I used to have time to do. You know, if I go on a vacation, I'm still probably working four or five hours a day. And in my mind, I'm always thinking about things in the company. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just is. It just is. And I don't think to be successful, at least starting something from scratch, for the first number of years, you, you can be successful if you don't take that approach because it's just too hard. There's just too many impediments to success that if you don't grind and really work through it, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, so I, I totally think that uh, a company's revenue and user n- uh, numbers speak for themselves. Um, can you tell me about uh, something that either you did in the past or are doing now that's led to the largest uh, user growth or revenue growth for you? The way that we generate most of our traffic is through Google organic search. So when you type in a lot of financial terms into Google, specifically insurance terms, we rank first ahead of every insurance company, every bank. And so that's huge for us because those consumers don't have a variable cost for us to acquire, right? They're coming to us for free. And so that enables us to be highly profitable and invest in other growth areas. So that's been really, really important. But I think, I think why we're really successful is we're very long-term focused 
and we're very focused on treating consumers right and treating partners right. So we always ask ourselves when we're making a decision, is this going to delight the consumer? Is this going to exceed the consumer's expectations? And same when we're working with partners. You know, is this going to help our partner grow their business, drive more revenue, generate more consumers, become more profitable, whatever their goals are? Um, and it's caused us to make short-term sacrifices for long-term benefit. And I think that's, that's very, very important. I think, um, I think you need to work that way. You can't be looking for quick wins. You can't look to try to pull something over on someone because you're going to get caught. And what I'm here to do is to create, like, the goal here is to be the first place Canadians go when they have a financial decision to make, period. So what, where is that right now? That's the bank. That's, they walk into the bank and they just assume that's where they're going to get their best, their, best, uh, their best rate. But we want to be the Expedia or the Travago of personal finance. And, and there's no reason why we can't get there. But to get there, we have to make the right long-term decisions, even if it means short-term pain sometimes. And um, I know that you guys recently won the Startup Canada High Growth Entrepreneurship Award. So congrats. Uh, you. Do you want to talk about that process and how that went? Yeah, it was great. Yeah, we won the award for being the fastest revenue-growing Canadian company, entrepreneur-led company, which is a huge achievement. You know, we, we won it over uh, Canopy Growth, and the cannabis segment is going crazy. So to be able to win over such high-caliber um, colleagues is, is incredible, and it's meaningful, and it's just unbelievable. It's, it's just unbelievable when we look back and see where we've come to where we are right now. But it's 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 nice to win those things. The reason that we try to win those things really is just to increase our credibility because the banks have such credibility, right? Canadians trust the banks. They know the banks. They're the six largest companies or most profitable companies in Canada. So how do we get Canadians to trust sites like lowestrates.ca? Well, we try to win these types of awards to show, look, millions of Canadians have trusted lowestrates.ca. We've saved Canadians close to a billion dollars. So that's, you know, it's nice to win these awards, but it's more meaningful what's behind them. So what we've done to be able to win them, you know? It, all, it also really helps from a hiring perspective to have this sort of credibility because, you know, for us to get where we want to get, we need to have the best people. And the best people, to leave something that's more of a known quantity, to go to something that's, I wouldn't call us a startup anymore, but, 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 still a growing, more entrepreneurial company, it takes some convincing. And, and these sorts of badges or awards really help. Cool. Um, on a personal level, I love what you guys are doing. I, I, in Ontario especially, I feel like insurance companies have too much power and consumers don't have enough power. Um, why, in your opinion, why is insurance in Ontario so much more expensive, car insurance specifically, than uh, our neighbors in Quebec? Right. Yeah, it's actually not the insurance company's fault because I used to think that too. I used to think the insurance companies were massively profitable and they're just raking in the cash and they shouldn't charge as much. But that's not the case. Actually, in Ontario right now, <laughs> a lot of insurance companies don't even want new business because they're paying out more in claims than they're actually generating what they charge. The main reason is fraud is rampant in Ontario. So there are people that stage fake accidents, fake injuries, um, 
kind of are in cahoots with doctors or lawyers in order to extract as much money as possible from the insurance companies, it is a huge issue and it's costing honest people in Ontario. So what needs to change, and then the other thing is distracted driving. There's distracted driving everywhere. In Quebec, there's distracted driving, but people are still on their phones and it's, uh, you know, what, what I think needs to be done, I think the government needs to step up and put massive penalties on people who are caught perpetrating insurance fraud or distracted driving. And I'm talking like for insurance fraud, serious criminal, like going to jail, never being able to drive again, because it's a massive problem. If fraud went down in Ontario, the prices for insurance would go down massively. And it's a problem because insurance companies are now pulling out and the fewer companies that are in Ontario, it means there's less comparison. So prices are getting even higher. So this is something that I learned about. I knew nothing about this before I started this because I thought the same as you. Oh, the insurance companies are gouging us. But most insurance companies, if you look at what's called their loss ratio, they're losing more on what they're paying out than what they're bringing in. It's crazy. Why is Ontario so much more fraudulent than Quebec and good things question. like that? I, it's a good question. I think it's a combination of maybe the population is larger, so more. this is more organized, maybe there's fewer penalties. Don't know. But um, it needs to change. Yeah. It absolutely needs to change because it's crazy. Yeah, and insurance rates definitely for, I mean, for living in the city, you pay so you pay a ton yes. every year. Yeah, and because in the city, that's where insurance fraud is the highest, you know, in the GTA. It's also where accidents are the highest because there's more, yeah. you know, population together. If you're in a rural area, fraud is, you're going to pay a lower cost because fraud is lower, fewer accidents, etc. But it needs to change. Time for the rapid fire. So these are just kind of fun questions. Um, I'll ask the first few and then Liza will ask the next few. So what is uh, your favorite spot in Toronto? Probably wherever my daughters are playing soccer right now. I'm really into watching, I have a six-year-old and a nine-year-old and I'm really, I guess in a way, living vicariously through them and watching them play soccer. So, you know, outside on a beautiful summer day on a soccer field watching them play soccer. And um, what is your favorite thing uh, for you to do to relax? Well, I spend a lot of time with my kids because I have two kids. But from a, you know, just an individual thing, probably something sports. Um, I used to be in the Canadian national tennis team, and I still play tennis at a very high competitive level. Um, as I said, fitness is really important to me. So probably playing tennis is my favorite. I, I don't enjoy going to the gym. I do go to the gym, but <laughs> probably playing tennis. That's awesome. And um, what is uh, the best place you've ever traveled to? Good question. Well, I really love white beaches, crystal clear water, and snorkeling. I recently went to Anguilla in the Caribbean, and you can't fly there unless you take a private jet, which I didn't. You need to fly into St. Martin, and then you take a boat to Anguilla. And it was amazing because the island, there weren't very many tourists the beaches were just unspoiled and gorgeous, crystal clear water, amazing snorkeling, incredible food and music. So recency bias, but I'll say Anguilla. Um, and is there anywhere that you'd live um, outside of Toronto? Yes. Well, I grew up in Vancouver, so I'd love to go back there at some point. I really, Toronto's an amazing city. You can do anything you want, anytime you want. What I don't like about it is I don't get to see the water in the mountains as much. And also, I don't like the cold winter. So I would live in Vancouver. I would also live 
in uh, Grand Cayman, so Cayman Island. I go there every year for vacation, and I love it. I think it has the beauty of the Caribbean with the infrastructure of North America. I have a few friends who've moved down there, and they love it. Uh, we almost, we actually almost moved down there a few years ago, but maybe in the future. So those are two places I would definitely live. Okay, cool. Anyway, uh, Justin, thank you so much for uh, agreeing to redo some of the questions with me. Um, so first off, who is the coolest person you know? That is a very difficult question, and I think I have an unconventional answer. I'm going to have to say my two daughters. So one of them is nine, and the other is six, and they just look at the world in such an interesting, funny, and really insightful way because they're looking at it with fresh, optimistic eyes that I always get a massive laugh and just feel like really inspired by the way that they look at the world. Um, they're not jaded by personal experience and, you know, it kind of is a reminder to me to sometimes look at the world the way a child does. Amazing. Um, who has been your favorite teacher? Experience. I've had a lot of great bosses and a lot of great teachers, but the best has just been doing things and making my own mistakes and seeing what works and kind of iterating over and over. Cool. And uh, what is your go-to karaoke song? Mm. This is going to be very embarrassing, but it's Baby Got Back by Sir Mix-a-Lot. Uh, yeah, I've been known to do that a few times, but probably shouldn't have shared that in public. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for sharing it. And uh, what was your very first job? My very first job was as a tennis coach. So I played tennis and I was uh, you know, provincially and nationally ranked, and I coached from the age of 13 through to 22. Oh, amazing. And uh, so we're actually reshooting these questions because of a mistake that I made accidentally wiping some of them. So how do you deal with uh, mistakes and failures in your business life and your personal life? Well, I think making mistakes and failing are actually good indicators of success. I think if you don't try new things, and if you don't attempt things, then you have no chance at failing. Um, there's the saying, you know, you never make a shot you don't take. I think it's important to try new things, to take shots, but what is important is you don't make the same mistake more than once. So I always say to the team, and I always hold myself accountable to this, I can make a mistake once, but I'm not going to make the same mistake again, and I'm going to learn from it. And I think that's hugely important. Anyways, thank you so much for doing this. This is, this is all the questions we lost. So thank you so much for taking a little bit of time out of your day to, to do this with me. And I really appreciate you sitting down. Thanks a lot. It's a lot of fun. Thank you. We wanted to thank you so much for coming in. We had such a great time interviewing you for Floater Founder. And thank you so much to our listeners. We are so excited to share more founder stories with you. Until, Until next time. time.